Today, Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to uh, look at verses 20 to 22. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for your word, for your revelation of your love, grace, and mercy to us. May we walk in that love this day as we look into your word. In Christ's name, amen. For those of you that are following along by the week, had a couple glitches this week. Uh, yesterday's uh, lesson went up really late in the day because I accidentally tried to load a previous lesson. Unfortunately, YouTube caught that and uh, wouldn't post it. So and that along with the glitch earlier with uh, a bad video I had to redo. So thank you for your patience. Obviously, we're kind of low tech doing this at home right now during this uh, lockdown period. And uh, today's lesson, my goal was to finish chapter two today. And I'll show you what uh, what's on the docket here. Uh, but let's read it together, Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll look at uh, today, well, so verse nine, verse 20, uh, but let's begin at verse 19 to pick up and to continue the thought from our last lesson. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Then today, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So what I want you to notice, I just titled this, Where We Live. Uh, this is metaphorical language, but it's a reality again. Complete uh, honor to it because it is a spiritual reality. But it's talking about the church, the body of Christ, which, of course, is universal, and it's also local, the local churches that make up the body that we belong to and we participate in. And I want you to notice in this the language of building. You know, last time we ended with this idea of, you know, the oikos, the house, the household, that this this language of the church being a household and, and family, uh, the familial language that we use, you know, our Father, our Heavenly Father. We talk about our brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. We use this language of family and household. Now, I want you to notice today some key words here. There's actually six of them that, that kind of pop up here, I think, as we look at this. First of all, the word foundation, which is very important in, to any building. If you watch any building going on, of course, the foundation that everything is built upon. We see this word cornerstone, which we don't use so much in our building language today, but we'll come to that in just a moment. We see the word building, and, and, and we're going to see that this word is, is the building and the, also the building process. It can be used both ways. We're going to see the word fitted together or joined together, which speaks of masonry, which was really critical, important in the Middle East in the building. And then, then holy temple. We're going to see this, think of an edifice, of a temple. And then we're going to talk about, finally ends up as a dwelling. So we have six words here. I just want you to notice all this language as we conclude chapter 2 that talks about the building and how it's built and, and the structure. And, and so we got six things here. And I was hoping to consider all these today. And obviously, this is a lot to, to try and put together. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to consider the first three in this lesson. And I am going to add one more lesson for this week. So this will be the hour and 15 minutes of grace uh, for this week if you're following along uh, daily. And because I, I just want to do justice to this. So let's let's take three of these today and three of them tomorrow because this really is important. It's, it's, it really speaks as to who we are and what we are as the church, the body of Christ. 
First of all, you notice he says here that uh, in, in, the word in, foundation, built, verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So we find out that this building he's going to describe, that the foundation of it is built upon the apostles and prophets. Now, one thing, as you go through Paul's letters, you're going to find different uses of this building language and foundation, uh, Christ being the only foundation, Paul laying the foundation. I mean, you're going to have to look at each in its context, and you can't necessarily extrapolate from one to the other. It always has to be the same way. He's In this context, talking about the church, the body of Christ, where he's, been, he's made this, this point of that we are a new entity of Jew and Gentile coming together, all races, ethnicities, you know, in one body, the new entity, the new people of God. That's the context here. So let's stay within that context. The foundation of it, he says, is the, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So we need to put this together with the next thought, the cornerstone. Who are the apostles and prophets? Well, we already talked about apostles when we introduced the letter, where Paul, an apostle, one who is sent, and we recognized, of course, the disciples became apostles. Well, it was more than just the 12. Uh, and, and, you know, Paul became an apostle. He lists other people that work with him who are apostles. And so this idea of one who was a sent and one who had apostolic authority. That's why there are certain things that the apostle Paul, for example, Paul at one point says, I turned someone over to Satan. He had apostolic authority. We don't claim that today. We don't have apostles today. Because we are not given direct revelation from God that's anything new that the scripture doesn't have. And I don't have as pastor apostolic authority like the apostle Paul had. That apostolic authority ended with the apostolic era because we now have the word of God, the scriptures, which have all the guidance and revelation that we need. So we talked about that. Who are the prophets? So these, I want to suggest you, are New Testament, and we use the term offices, meaning that... God gave certain administrative and teaching roles to the church, the body of Christ. We call these offices. And I want to suggest to you that I don't think the emphasis here is on Old Testament prophets. That might be our first inclination. Well, he's obviously talking about Old Testament prophets, right? I want you to notice the word order. If that were true, it probably would be reversed. But notice the word order, apostles and prophets. And if you stay in Ephesians for a moment, we'll come to this later on, but in chapter 4, speaking of, speaking of these, some of these administrative and offices and gifts of leadership for the local church and the body of Christ, verse 11, it was he, that is Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. We'll come to that passage later, but you notice the same order, apostles and prophets, to the New Testament church. Um, we'll see this also in uh, 1 Corinthians. Look at these verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 28. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers. So we have here these gifts or these offices in the church, and we see here the same order, apostles and prophets. So I'm going to suggest to you that in this particular case, these the foundation that's laid, Paul says, it's been laid, the foundation of the apostles and prophets. In other words, what they have taught, what has been revealed to them. God used these particular uh, offices, these spiritual gifts, 
to bring revelation and teaching. Remember, this early church did not have the completed canon we had. What did the church at Ephesus have? They had Old Testament scriptures in the synagogue. They had the letters of the Apostle Paul written to them. Any other letters they may have had a chance to read. They don't have the completed canon of scripture. God, during this transitional time, is bringing teaching and revelation through these designated gifts. So it's the teaching and the revelation God has given the apostles and prophets as the gifts to the church that he's using to lay this foundation. And I think that's the key here. That, that would be my thinking on this. Now I want you to notice the next thing is the cornerstone that this foundation is, is built upon. So actually this really is primary or probably the first <laughs> we need to think about because you notice in this phrase he says, built on the foundation and the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And that really maybe should be dealt with first. Chief cornerstone. And, and now in, in you will you will see in some of the translations maybe the word capstone. There was a time in which it was assumed that this word merely meant the capstone or the final part of the building that is put in place like an arch to hold things together. More recent uh, commentary suggests, no, this really is what we understand is the cornerstone. And a key verse for this understanding from the Hebrew and the Jewish background would be back in Isaiah chapter 28, actually a very well-known passage of scripture. Let me find here, Isaiah. And in chapter 28 and verses 16, I put 17a. Whenever you see that a or b, it means the first or second part of the verse. Isaiah chapter 28, 16. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a testing stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. So in the language of building here, clearly the idea is the cornerstone, the testing stone, everything is tested off that cornerstone. And in the, in the Old Testament, world, in the Bible world, laying that cornerstone really determines the rest of the building. All the plumb lines and, the, and everything built off of that is built off that cornerstone. That is the key stone to the rest of the foundation. So what is Paul saying here? The foundation that's laid, the teaching of the prophets, the apostles, and the prophets is built upon the revelation given by the Lord Jesus Christ to them. We're going to see the apostle Paul talks about this was given to me by the Lord. Remember, he went off into the desert uh, when he was after he was converted. He received revelation from God. He received teaching. And the apostles, this gift of prophecy was also given by God to give revelation to the to the church. So the cornerstone is Jesus Christ. That is the essential stone. Everything is built off of that. The teaching of the apostles and prophets has to be related to the true teaching, and that's why false teaching in this New Testament context that Paul talks about so often is so dangerous. No, their foundation is Jesus Christ. That is always has that we always have to come back to that. Paul says, God forbid I should boast in anything but the cross of Jesus Christ. This is always our cornerstone. We must never forget that. We need to be reminded daily. This building we're talking about here. The cornerstone, the chief cornerstone is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that idea from Hebrews, I think, kind of provides that, that idea and that, that metaphor that Paul would have from his Jewish background. This is what we're dealing with. Now, I want you to notice the second thing is, the third thing for today, we're going to stop with this, 
Okay, so let's go back to our verse. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. I think it's their teaching and their ministry. With Jesus himself, Christ Jesus himself, as the chief, the, the main cornerstone, the important cornerstone, that all the plumb lines and everything are built, the building is dependent on this. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. So the next thing we want to look at this building and joined together and rising. So I just want to point out that building and building, and there was one of the commentators made the point, the word used here can be for the building, but it also can be used to describe building, you know, the process of building a building. And both of these are important and involved here because look at this word, it rises. We have this process going right now. The church is continually being built. It's not completed yet. I mean, that's the idea here. It continually rises. It's continually being built. But the foundation is laid. That is not being added to. The cornerstone is laid. There's no other cornerstone. There's only one foundation and the building that's built upon it. But it's also a building being built. So I wanted to point that out. We'll come back to this idea of rises. But it for our third, our third building term today, this is really important. Joined together. As you travel in the Middle East and in Asia Minor, where Paul is talking here to the Ephesians, think about this huge temple to, to Artemis we talked about in Ephesus. I've been to the, the, to, to the, the Wailing Wall. What is the Wailing Wall? The Western Wall? Well, the Western Wall in Jerusalem is really only the, the retaining wall, a, a fragment, a small section of the retaining wall Herod built to hold up the temple. So what you see of the western wall is just part of this large wall that was built, but it's all these stones joined together. And as we go down into the rabbinic tunnels underneath, and we saw this huge slab of a stone as long as my house, one stone. And these stones were fitted. They didn't use mortar like we use today or cement, they fit these, and these, these stones had to be carefully um, fitted. The masonry work was a critical work in this building process because the stones, and that's why these, these stones still stand today, except when the earthquakes have destroyed them, because they were so carefully fitted together. So I want you to, we're going to have to conclude now, our 15 minutes is up today, that's why we're going to come back to this. I'm just going to have to ask you to hold this thought. I'll do one more lesson tomorrow for this week hour and 15 minutes of grace this week. But I want you to end with this. I want you to think about this. What? What? Who is doing this? God is fitting us together. Think about this. The masonry, the masons had to work carefully hard to fit stones together. And, it, and if you think about this, who is the mason? It is, it is God who is fitting us. What does that mean? That every one of us, as part of this building, we are being fit together is a building that continually rises. This whole metaphor is a beautiful picture. I'm just going to have to stop here and ask you to hold these thoughts until our next lesson and to think about in terms of the church, the body of Christ, what we are and what God is doing. I'd like you just to read this. Why don't you take a minute and read the entire chapter one more time and we'll wrap up these thoughts in our next lesson. So hold those for tomorrow. Thank you again. I really appreciate you taking time. This is just a 15-minute and uh, we are going to be moving into chapter 3 in our next week. And then after that, uh, we're going to see some tremendous, beautiful application of these principles as to how you and I live and witness of God's grace and mercy. God bless you. Thank you for watching.